This episode is brought to you by Heritage Foods, an online and wholesale distributor of heritage breed meat and poultry. Learn more at heritagefoods.com. I'm Massimo Bottura. Hi, this is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs on Heritage Radio. Once I got my MRI, it was plain to see, like, you could see the tumor right there. Mm. It's huge. Was that the last thing you were... Exp- I mean, shoulder, when you talk about cooks and chefs and yeah. injuries, back. Oh, yeah. Shoulder. shoulder. So, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the most unusual, out-of-context no. thing for a cook. So you had no idea what no, was coming. No wasn't idea. even You weren't, like, up all night the night before worried, like, I hope this isn't terrible. No, I you thought... You thought it was going to be a muscle thing yeah, or you were going to go I for some I PT. I thought I something. Right. Maybe there was a fracture or yeah, something. Of exactly. I thought like he was gonna give me some like corticosteroids right. and send me on my way. Yeah. I thought it was like I was like LeBron's like sports injury type. Right. Not some crazy. So pediatric this is like an all time all time shock. Mm-hmm. That is Chef Fatima Ali, our guest today on Andrew Talks to Chefs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Andrew Talks to Chefs. I'm your host, Andrew Friedman, and I don't know the right adjective to apply to this week's guest. Words like special get tossed around a lot. They, they kind of lose their meaning. All I can say is that I spent a really incredible hour with Fatima Ali. She goes by Fati, as those of you who know her from her time on Top Chef probably already know. I read, as many of you listening to this show probably did, because it was shared far and wide on Instagram and other social media platforms, a piece that Fatih wrote recently that ran on Bon Appetit's website. The headline was very blunt. I'm a chef with terminal cancer. This is what I'm doing with the time I have left. It's not the first essay Fatih had written. She's been through quite an odyssey over the last year plus with cancer that first presented in her shoulder. She thought she had beaten it. It then came back in her hip and her femur. Uh, In this piece, she revealed herself, among her other talents, to be an extraordinary writer, a very honest writer, which really shows. You can tell when you're reading honest writing and dishonest writing. Like a lot of you listening to this, I was very moved by the essay. Fatih and I had never met before. I sent her a DM via Instagram and asked her if she'd like to come on the show. I thought most people who listen to this show had probably seen that essay. And I thought most people who listen to this show could learn from her and would be interested in her story, number one, as a chef, and also what she might have to share about this year that she's gone through and what lies ahead of her. To my surprise, I'm not going to say shock, I figured there was a reasonable chance, but she got right back to me, and a few days later I found myself at her apartment uh, in Midtown Manhattan, not far from Memorial Sloan Kettering, where she's wrapping up the current phase of her treatment, 
And we had an extraordinary hour together. Uh, I don't feel like I even need to say much about it. We tell her whole story in the interview. And uh, again, I think a lot of you are probably already familiar with what she's going through. And a lot of you probably know her from television. So I'm going to get right to it. With my thanks to Fatih Ali for spending an hour with me. This is my interview with her, recorded the second week of October in New York City. Here you go. Can I call you? Fatih. Can I go right to Fatih? Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you for sitting down with me. I told you in my message to you, I read your piece, like, I don't know how many people now. It's got to be tens of thousands. Yeah. Uh, and I just felt compelled to, to reach out to see if maybe we could talk. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to meet you. I guess the first thing I'll ask you is, we were talking before I started taping, mm-hmm. you know, and I mentioned that I've, I've known other people who've had cancer, different types. I've done a lot of reading about it. Mm-hmm. Something I've read is it says, don't ask someone with cancer, how are you doing? Right. Or how are you feeling? <laughs> right. Do you ascribe to that? Does that? I mean, what do you? How do you like to be checked in on? I I think any kind of check in is always nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I suppose what you should be saying, what you shouldn't be saying, is all relative. And I, I'm not someone, and not someone who's super sensitive about these mm-hmm. things. I appreciate when people check up on me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a sign of concern. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's how I take it. So okay. I'm always I'm always happy to talk about, you know, that aspect of my life because it is such a huge aspect of, of yeah. my life right now these days, especially in what I've been going through yeah. this past year, that it would almost be a little bit hilarious if we didn't talk about right. it. <laughs> right, right. Although I'm assuming a lot of people have a natural awkwardness around it or don't know quite how to broach it or... I think for the most part, people have been all right. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good. So having said all that, how are how are we today? How, today's a good day. Today's a good day. Yeah. Can you sort of tell day. when you wake up in the morning what you're looking at? Um, as far as my day is yeah. concerned? Uh, usually, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have my day. There's usually one stop at the hospital. I'm getting treated at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and yep. I'm very lucky to be living close by. So it's an easy commute for yeah. me. Um, these days, I'm actually in for radiation every day. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know the difference between chemotherapy and radiation, um, is that chemotherapy, which is what I was going through for the past nine, well, more than that, about nine months, yeah. actually, the past nine months, was uh, an infusion. So I get an IV infusion of drugs mm-hmm. that kind of knocks you out. And it knocks all of the cells in your body. And that's the point of chemotherapy. Hence the hair loss and the skin and the nails. So every, every rapidly uh, regenerating cell in your body is affected by mm-hmm. chemotherapy. And rapidly regenerating cells are also cancer cells. Mm-hmm. So that's how chemotherapy works. Radiation, on the other hand, is basically kind of what you expect, like tiny little laser beams that are focused to very specific parts of your body. It's more targeted. Exactly. It's not systemic. Correct. Yeah. So um, so right now I'm, I have radiation on my femur and my hip area mm-hmm. in the left side of my body. Uh, the cancer that I have is called Ewing sarcoma. It's a soft bone and tissue cancer. And that erupted actually from my scapula, which is my shoulder blade. Yeah. So it's the same cancer that has now also been found in my hip. 
and therefore we've it's metastasized, which mm-hmm. means that it's spread. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've done my stint with chemotherapy. Now I'm finishing up radiation, and the next steps will be. Um, Oh, we're exploring things like immunotherapy mm-hmm. and uh, like holistic approaches, acupuncture, yeah. massage therapy, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, you name it. Mm-hmm. So we're going gung ho. What's your mindset? Are you, do you, you know, people use terms like cancer warrior. And oh, like, no. what's your mindset of it? Do you, do you <laughs> think of it as a fight that you're in? Do you just think of it as, uh, okay, what's the plan for the next X period of time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not more a, like that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a cancer warrior by any means. I've got days where I'm, I definitely don't feel like one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are days where I just, I, I don't leave my bed. I order, I order in. Yeah. And I just hang with my mom. Yeah. And we watch So You Think You Can Dance. <laughs> and that's it. You okay. know, that's the, that's yeah. the day for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then there are other days where I have to be all gung ho and fight, fight, fight. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm ready to tackle my day. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's an up and down and ebb and flow and sure. you just take it day by day. So one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you or one of the things that really struck me was that, that the most recent piece you wrote where you sort of announced, you know, the diagnosis and how what the doctors were telling you is the headline. And I, a lot of times, I don't know if people know this, writers don't always write their headlines, but the headline was, I'm a chef mm-hmm. with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And I, that really struck me that that was how you were identified you know, not I'm a person, not I'm a, you know, or not I have, I'm a chef. That's a core part of your identity, it seems to me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being a chef um, is something I wanted ever since I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to become one. Yeah. Uh, to study to become one. Yeah. And um, that's who I am. I'm a chef. Mm-hmm. First and foremost. Yeah. So for people who don't, didn't uh, watch Top Chef, mm-hmm. who haven't, you know, aren't interviewing you for a podcast yeah. and didn't research you, can we just talk, tell your story a little bit? Sure, yeah. Okay, you grew up in Pakistan. I did. I grew up in Pakistan and um, I did my high Once I had finished high school over there, I was 18 years old and um, I applied to the Culinary Institute of America mm-hmm. in upstate New York, um, came to the States with my bags packed ready to learn what it meant to to cook, you know, taking it as just a passion, something that I grew up cooking with my grandmother, cooking with my father in Pakistan, and actually trying to make it, a, uh, you know, um, a viable career path for myself. What city or town in Pakistan, and what, what was your childhood like there? Karachi. So I grew up in Karachi, which is a metropolitan city. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a British school. People are always a little bit surprised at like how well I speak English. I probably know English better than I know my own language at this point because all my schooling was done in English. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to British school and uh, it was amazing. I had a really fantastic childhood. The food you're talking about growing up was, it was home cooking. Yes. That you, people in your family cooked. Yes. You really, it was traditional Pakistani food and you had a real connection to it. Yes, I absolutely love Pakistani food then. I love Pakistan, Pakistani food now. Um, what are some things that, what would be some... Some or dishes. Not even typical dishes. What are some of your favorite dishes? Mm. What are the things that really... Well, to that me... That you remember most fondly? To me, quintessential Pakistani food are the things that, that often people discard, uh, like goat hoofs. One of my favorite dishes. They're called. It's called paya, mm-hmm. and it is a dish made of 
very, very slowly braised goat hoofs until literally like the collagen comes out of the bone. And it's the gravy is made with ginger and garlic and onions and turmeric and chili. And you eat it with like hot, crusty sesame naan bread with a squeeze of lemon Mm -hmm. and a little like a little fresh ginger. And it's the most delicious thing. Is it gelatinous? It's when very, I think yeah. hoof, I think gelatinous. It's very gelatinous. Yeah. It makes your, so the mark is of a g- really good paya is that your fingers have to stick together uh-huh. when you're done eating. Okay. Um, that's one of the dishes that I love. Another one is called maghaz, mm-hmm. which is uh, goat brains. Yeah. A lot of goat. Um, People may not know this. Goat, if I'm not mistaken, is the most consumed meat in the world. Is it? Yeah. I did not know that. It was 10 years ago. Yeah. I would, I would imagine so because that part of the world that eats a lot of goat, there's a lot of population over yeah, there. Yeah, right. It's a little bit more accessible than, a, yeah. a little bit cheaper than some other meats for sure. But I'm sorry I interrupted you. Goat brain. Um, but yeah, the goat brain is another one. Um, it's almost like scrambled eggs, but spicy mm-hmm. and soft and delicious and like a cross between scrambled eggs and sweetbreads. Yeah. But lots of spices. Yeah. So when you decided to go to a school like the CIA, mm-hmm. it was, um, I mean, the type of food that you're describing, even in a restaurant, you wouldn't necessarily need that formal an education in terms of all the classic French technique they teach and all of that. What made you want to go to that school? It was the best. It was the best. Yeah. And, um, you know, and my mom is someone who's always, you know, pushed us pushed us to be the very best that we can. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to try and make sure that I was doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, she wanted me to get a bachelor's degree. Yeah. So I had to make sure I got a bachelor's. Um, you know, and very honestly for me, it was also the campus. I looked at the photographs online and there were four seasons, mm-hmm. which was very different from the way I grew up in Pakistan where it's like very, very hot all the time and mm. then it's a little bit cool in the winter and that's it. I grew up in Florida, right? so yeah. yeah. there you go. So I, you know, I had never really seen snowfall, never really seen the, the leaves change and I, I wanted to experience that mm-hmm. and what better place than the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. So that was really magical. There were a lot of reasons why I chose the CIA and looking back at it now, I wouldn't change it. At all. You look on it fondly. I made, oh yeah, I made the very best friends and connections and, um, you know, just having that alumni access has been really incredible. Yeah. So you then, you come to New York, you worked at a number of restaurants that are under the Patina umbrella. Yes. You worked at Cafe Central, which is right near Grand Central. Correct. You worked at uh, Stella Mm -hmm. over at Macy's. We opened that restaurant. That was very hectic. Hectic, why? Because for people who don't know, it was because of all the different departments. Like there's a pretty serious, there's like a serious pastry program. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) it's it's the biggest department store in the world, right? Right. Um, So opening up, uh, not just opening up a restaurant in Macy's, the aim was opening up a Michelin level restaurant at Macy's. Mm. So everything was from scratch. We were going to the Union Square market three times a week to pick up produce mm-hmm. for our specials. Mm-hmm. Like that chef was no joke. I learned so much from him. Um, he is incredibly knowledgeable, um, you know, incredibly disciplined, so fastidious about his work. 
you know, and it didn't matter that that we were serving breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, doing oh, in the Christmas time. Didn't matter that we were doing over like three thousand covers. Is that right? Three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Fresh pasta. <laughs> We, we would call it pasta purgatory because when you were stuck there, you were there for hours. I wish people, because I've been doing this more and more on the show, indicating the, the look on someone's face. Yeah, you yeah. could have seen the the, yeah. the the way your eyes just popped out of your uh-huh. head when you said that, like, yeah. Friedman, you don't know what you're talking Seriously, about. Seriously, <laughs> hours, hours making pasta, hours. Yeah. So you got very good at it. Yeah. But it was grueling yeah. and bone-breaking, back-breaking, but so much fun. Yeah. Um, so I did my stint with Bettina for about five years, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. Um, and then after that, I realized I really missed cooking Pakistani food and I missed, um, like I missed those flavors Yeah. and I had gotten very accustomed to the European technique and I, in my head I was like, well, why can't I put these two things together? Mm-hmm. So I went back to Pakistan. I left Bettina. I went back to Pakistan for a couple of months to kind of reabsorb some of these recipes that I loved from my childhood and like really kind of dug deep to understand like where they were coming from, what the evolution of these dishes were, you know, kind of try to trace back their origins through the subcontinent and, you know, get to like the Mughal empire and kind of see like where all this food comes from. And it's so fascinating to understand like, um, you know, a dish that you think was quintessentially Pakistani, like actually had so much influence from the British and vice versa. Right. You know, things like that. So I did that uh, for a while. And then uh, in hopes of maybe setting up uh, a small restaurant in New York mm-hmm. of Pakistani origin, sort of. Right. And while I was doing that, I got a call to appear on Top Chef. How yeah. did that come to you? Well, I had actually been called a few years earlier for Top Chef. I think they might have been doing their, I want to say their North or South Carolina uh, season. And I was 25 then and I I said absolutely not because <laughs> I was way too young. Yeah. I didn't want to do it then. Yeah. And then I, I got an email from um, a headhunter, a talent agent headhunter. And she was like, listen, Fatih, we saw you on Chopped and... Um, you know, read a few articles about you, would you be interested in doing Top Chef? And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm not attached to a job right now. Mm -hmm. I'm exploring my own heritage and my own food. This could be a really fantastic platform for me to, um, you know, kind of kickstart that. Mm -hmm. So I started the process and was accepted on the show in the newest season. And learned that we were going to be filming in Colorado, yeah, which I had never been to before, and it was really spectacular. Loved Colorado. What months were you guys there? We filmed last year um, around April, May, June. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. May, June. Yeah, perf- yeah. perfect time. Yeah. Perfect weather. Is oh, it was breathtaking. Can I just ask? We just you mentioned it in passing, but we jumped over the chopped episode. Mm-hmm. Chopped. You went on and won chopped. Yes, I did when I was 21. I did that ages ago. What drew you to that? Um, I was actually working for my first job out of the CIA. I was working for Chef Manit Chohan, Mm -hmm. who is a judge on Chopped. Uh, She has her own restaurant now in Nashville. It's doing really well called Chohan Ale and Masala House. And when... (laughs) Sorry, my mom's brushing her teeth. Oh. (laughs) Um, 
relation. You can to hear here. it in the bathroom. Oh, that's what the noise yeah, was before. Oh, I did. I thought. She, <laughs> I figured if the aunt was here, the mom. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the, it wasn't the, here. The okay, no, we're all good. We're all good. Um, so. Where was I? Yeah, so I was working for Chef Manit Chohan, and she's yeah. the one who encouraged me to apply for Trapped. Yeah. And she was like, look, Fatih, I'll get you the first interview. The rest is up to you. Yeah. And I said, sure. And I did it. Uh-huh. Now, did you, was there any element in your background of performance? Uh, you, this is another one of the faces I have to convey. <laughs> that was, I don't know what I call that, an eye roll, a sarcastic eye roll, zero. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, in my plays in high school, you my did theater, high school my plays. Theater, well, sort of. Yeah, I did. Oh, was it like required? It was like a class. No, I just really enjoyed it. You did. Yeah. I did. Okay. So All I did right. high school so there was plays a little and bit theater of something. and drama and elocution and yeah, I, I've, I've always been. So um, there was no uh, there was no element of like stage fright or anything like that. No, for no, you. no. You're, you were comfortable being in front of people. I have been pretending to be in front of a camera since I was like seven. Meaning what? Like in my in my own kitchen, I'll be well, because I, I grew up watching BBC Food. Yeah. A lot of the introduction was through British chefs. Yeah. So I always had this British accent when I was pretending like I had my own show. Okay. So imagine a little seven-year-old Fatih in her kitchen going like, all right, so now you're going to put two eggs in the bowl. Like you were doing a demo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was like, in my head, I was like the, you know, Nigella Lawson. That's so funny. Well, you saved yourself a lot of money in media training. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I wish I had taken it before I decided to do any of these American shows. Okay, now be honest with me. Did you ever um, film yourself doing it? For just for yourself? No, 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 never, never? No. not even on an iPhone or something. No, I was too okay. embarrassed. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> so, Top Chef, what was that adventure like for you? Um, amazing. It was really nerve wracking. I was the youngest one, as usual. And why do you say as usual? Because I, I usually I am when it comes to these kinds of like when I find myself in cooking competitions, I'm usually on the younger scale. Uh huh. Well, I didn't know anyone going into it, mm-hmm. so it was all fresh, fresh friendships. Yeah. And uh, we quickly became good friends and started um, just competing, mm-hmm. but competing really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't as hard. As it could have been, right? Emotionally, I think it was uh, a lot of fun scattered in there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we again, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I always feel like you need to take social media with a little bit of a grain of salt, mm-hmm. but it looks like—I mean, I've seen pictures. I know Padma's been to see you. Mm-hmm. There are people, um, you know, posting videos for you. Yeah. The crew was at something in Hartford, yeah. or a portion of them, yes, and they made—they right. stopped and did a video, like saying they wish you were there. Yeah, yeah. You're like brightening as I say this. Yeah, yeah. You made some real friends there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone in their own way has shown me so much love. Yeah. Whether they can be here physically and come visit me in New York or this right. or they're sending me care packages. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sending me texts. They're yes. sending me videos all the time. Yeah. We're all on a WhatsApp group together. Okay. So we're all in touch. Literally, uh-huh. that that group is not silent for more than eight, nine hours. Is that right? Yeah. Like, someone's always messaging about something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, especially in the beginning when I first got my diag, when I was first diagnosed, it was... It was a really frightening time. It was a really scary time. And there was a lot of unknown. Yeah. We didn't know what was going on. And yeah. When it, was that exactly? Last year in September. Okay. So just over a year. Yeah. And actually, so I had, I was just working with, with Chef Tony Montuono and Joe Flam mm-hmm. 
um, in New York, we had opened up Cafe Spiaggia at the U.S. Open. Oh, you came out to the Open. I was okay. running it for them. Oh, my God. Surpr- we may have met. We met. Did we? Yeah, I also write about tennis. Oh, okay. And, and I always, I'm sure we And did. I came out the first Friday of the Open. Yeah. And Tony wanted to... Sh- he saw that I, I had put something on Instagram, and he said, are you coming out? And I came up, and he, we shook hands. Then we must have met. That's then you met so me with hair. That's so funny. <laughs> that is so... Well, yeah. it was chaotic. That's, yes, it's that's not the right. hair. It was just chaos. <laughs> that's... Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's, this is your interview. So go ahead. That's right. So you, came, you helped open. Well, that's another yes. bedlam situation. That was so much fun, though. Yeah. We, we kicked butt. They're sad that I'm not there this year. They're, like, lamenting. Yeah. But um, so I got to... I was working with them when it happened. Um, did it first present as pain? pain. Did, yeah, in yeah. the shoulder. And there was pain in my shoulder, and I was flipping a big pan of pasta with my left, with my left hand. Yeah. And I had I had had this dull ache in my shoulder for the past couple of months that I had been ignoring. Yeah. And um, that that night it was the second last night of service. Um, I went to bed, popped like four Advil, ignored the pain, went back to work. And halfway through my lunch service, I had to walk out because I had to go to the emergency room because all of a sudden there was literally this hump on the left side of my shoulder that was growing exponentially from the morning. And I had had ice on it, but I ended up going to the emergency room, spent all night there, and they sent me home with a with a prescription for oxy and saying that I had to go to an orthopedic and because they had to figure out what was going on because I needed an MRI ASAP. Um, once I got my MRI, it was plain to see, like, you could see the tumor right there. Mm. It's huge. Was that the last thing you were, I mean, shoulder, when you talk about cooks and chefs and injuries, back. Oh yeah. Shoulder. Shoulder. Mm -hmm. Was it your, was it your dominant side? No, my non-dominant. Oh, wasn't. Okay. We're a little bit more ambidextrous in the kitchen. A little bit more. So, so, I mean, it wouldn't be the most unusual out no. of context thing for a cook. So you had no idea what no, was coming. No wasn't idea. even You weren't like up all night the night before worried like, I hope this isn't terrible. No, I you thought... You thought it was going to be a muscle thing yeah, or you were going to go I for some I PT. I thought I had something. Right. Maybe there was a fracture or yeah, something. Exactly. I thought like he was going to give me some like corticosteroids right. and send me on my way. Yeah. I thought it was like I was like LeBron's like sports injury type. Right. Not... Some crazy so pediatric cancer. this is like an all-time, all-time shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, especially in those beginning months, um, these guys just were there with me all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's these guys? My Top Chef family. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, Joe visited a bunch. Mm-hmm. Adrian. Um, Claudette sent me care packages. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tanya sent me so much ice cream. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't even remember half the things, you know, socks from everyone. Mm-hmm. My producers, um, everyone from the Top Chef mm-hmm. and Magical Elves family reached out in one way or the other. Um, and they still do. They continue to do so. Yeah. I mean, the entertainment side of that is one thing. The the cooking side of it, you know, it's so interesting to me, and I'm not diminishing any of it. It's like we're in this important time right now, mm-hmm. right? I think what gets overlooked is there's a lot of great people in this business, mm-hmm. in your business. I mean, a lot of them are my best friends also. Mm-hmm. The late Tony Bourdain, you know, had this That's great right. line at the beginning of Kitchen Confidential that he said, if my car breaks down in a bad neighborhood in the pouring rain, mm-hmm. I'm not calling another writer, I'm calling a cook. Co- yeah, that's you right. Know? And it, it is, this is the, this is the, this you the know, to put it in the Star Wars terms, this is the light side of the force, right? Yeah. This is, 
this is a huge part of your industry, though. It's, but it's really incredible because it's like, you know, we take care of our own. Yeah. And this is such a great example of that. Um, just the way chefs have just rallied because of this. I can't even wrap my head around it. Did it surprise you even knowing what the industry yeah. was capable of? Yeah. It's yeah. a good surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Always. Because I wasn't, I was expecting nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's beyond surpassed expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can I ask, this is a very personal question, sure. but I'm just, I'm really curious. You know, I've been, I've been watching you from afar, right? And, I, you know, I've, like I said, I've known people who've been sick. I've had people I admired, you know, who were public figures. And I've always said to people, you know, I think if that were me, I would just be useless. I wouldn't be out there. I would just be like, mm -hmm. you know, in a fetal position, you know, from, you know, did you think of yourself as someone who could, I, don't, I know you're not going to pat yourself on the back, but someone who could go through this as admirably as you have. Did oh. you think of yourself as someone that, have you surprised yourself or does something happen to you when you find this? You talked, it's interesting, I made some notes from your own writings. Yeah. You talk about these different identities, mm -hmm. you know, and you talked about this identity that you took on when, you, when the guy came to do your hair. Yeah. Right? And you said this one. She doesn't hold back. She doesn't hold back. Mm -hmm. You didn't name that person. Mm -hmm. But, but, it's, but she's, that was. She's me, though. You said your alter ego. Mm -hmm. Who's, what's that mean to you? I have lots, though. I think over the years. I have. Does that question make sense? It does, yeah. yeah. But I think over the years, I, I have had lots of alter egos. And I'm, depending on the situation, she comes out when she needs to. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I guess I'm a very complex person mm -hmm. <laughs> in certain respects. I'm very yeah. simple. But, you know, when there's a time and a need for certain parts of my personality to come out, they do. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, maybe I have surprised myself in a certain way. Um, but don't get me wrong, there are days where I am in the fetal position. Yeah. And I do nothing. And yeah. I'm a big mess. Yeah. And everybody around me has to take care of me. But you need to give yourself that time, right? Yeah, of course. You yeah. Do. I yeah, mean, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. I do what I need to do. Yeah. I think emotions, I, I've always said to people, they're like water. They're going to go where they want to go. Like you can't, you know, at some point <laughs> they're going to, at right? some point it's going to, you know, I usually talk this way to people Erupt. about grief, you know, right. like, cause a lot of people, you know, they lose someone and everyone's like, Oh, go out to dinner, go to, and I'm always, I'm the one who's like, no, you know what? Feel if you want to go home and feel it, feel it, it go sit yeah. home and feel it because you're going to feel it. Exactly. And I think that's true of any negative thing, any traumatic thing, whether it's to you or to someone close to you, you have to let these things run their course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because the more you keep it inside yourself, it's just going to bust one day. Yeah. So you you thought you were out of the woods. I did. Yeah. I thought I was out of the woods. My doctors gave me a clear scan July 16th. I move, We moved to Los Angeles, my mother and I. Mm -hmm. My brothers had already moved to Los Angeles and gotten um, a house over there in San Marino, mm -hmm. which is near Pasadena. Um, and... We were there, maybe had two good weeks. Yeah. And then I started having this pain in my hip, which started growing exponentially. And then same thing, ended up going um, to the hospital. They did some scans and they started seeing some more tumors. Mm -hmm. My docs in New York didn't hesitate. They were like, drop everything, come back now. 
Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what we did. We dropped everything there, hopped on a plane, yeah. and came to New York. Yeah. And I was admitted. They did another biopsy. They found more cancer cells. Mm-hmm. And they sat me down and they were like, okay, now we have to work up a completely new plan of action. Because obviously the chemo that we had you on didn't do what we were expecting it to do. Yeah. And now we need to explore other options. Mm -hmm. Which you were in the midst of right now. Which I'm in the midst of, yep. So you were very open. One of the things that's caught a lot of people's attention is you want to... You want to get to places to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've never been able to eat at. You told the story in your uh, most recent Bon Appetit essay uh, that you sent a direct message to Noma and mm-hmm. heard back from Red Zeppi himself. That's right. Uh, I subsequently saw one of your posts, and he, I think, wrote something and put like a heart. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, you're, this is another. <laughs> I have to describe this. You just brightened at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you also, though, and I'd just love to get a sense of where you are with this, because you talked about the chemo. How did you put it? Re- replacing sweet and savory yeah. with iron and rot. Yes. What it does to your palate. Mm-hmm. Is that something that should fade before too long? It has already. It has thankfully. already. Okay. Yeah. So fully? Well, Enough? It, what's interesting is that my palate is much more muted now. Okay. So I need much more bolder flavors yeah. than I did before. Got it. So even in my seasoning and the way I cook... And that's all. And my family's made this observation whenever I cook for them now. They're like, the way you used to cook and how you cook now is so different, which I find fascinating because my, I'm much more heavy handed with the spice. Yeah. Whereas before I was much more delicate with like the way I would season things. But you, you need to do that to taste it. Now I do. Yeah. Even salt? Mm, way more salt, yeah. way more sour, more like more sweet, more sugar. So yeah. everything's a lot more amped up. You know, this is a weird thing to mention, but just in passing, years ago, uh, I think it was Akira Kurosawa, the filmmaker, did a movie called Ron. It was like his take on King Lear, his like samurai okay. take on King Lear. The colors in the movie are brilliant. Mm. He had cataracts. Uh, that's he why. He was aging. There you right? go. So the secret behind that story was for him to see it the way he wanted to see it, it had to be that bright. It had to be that bright. Yeah, but everyone else was dazzled. Right. Right. Same thing with Ben and Jerry. He had a sinus infection. Right. So where are you with this mission of, of eating? I know you have your crowdsourcing. Yes. Is yes. that still active? My I wonderful- mean, you weren't. Your friend set yes. this up. We should say My- you didn't. You didn't go around. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't go out and ask for this. No. Friends of yours set this yes. up. Yes. So my very good friend Adrian from Top Chef yeah. set up a GoFundMe to yeah. help me travel the world and eat my way through it. It yeah. actually has started, yes. Um, went to Sushi Noz mm-hmm. on Monday, which is this absolutely stunning venue on the Upper East Side in New York, um, named after the chef Noz. Uh, he used to work at Sushi Den for many years. And it's 12 seats, omakase, sushi. All the, all the fish is aged, which is really interesting. Uh, I mean, a completely new dining experience for me. Mm-hmm. The It was like melt-in-your-mouth fish. Like, the rice was just out of this world. Like, yeah. simple, simple, everything done right. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I um, I posted a bunch of, of the things we were eating mm-hmm. on my Instagram um, while we were there. I was actually there with, with Adrian, And she and I just... Her, yeah, her, myself, and another friend mm-hmm. of ours, we just, we dug in. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. 
Well, have you bought any airplane tickets yet? Not yet. I'm uh, working on my visa. Okay. So once I have my visas all lined up for the UK and Shenzhen, then I will be buying my airplane tickets and so this is, heading to it's Europe. On. Heading it's to on. Europe. This is happening. Oh, no. it's Yes. <laughs> I, my, I'm literally finishing up my application today. <laughs> And how many, is there like, if we're talking quantity, like how many places are on your like hit list? Like what's your dream list? Mm, like 20, 30. Uh-huh. Yeah. All places you haven't been before? Are you doing any returns? Um, am I like doing any returns? Like places you want to get back to? Um, no. New, new places mostly. Okay. Yeah. Right. I so, have my go-tos in New York that I go to all the time, yeah, which well, I love. Like what? What are your favorites? Oh, like I love Thai food. So mm-hmm. like Uncle Boone's is my favorite mm, restaurant. Love that place. Um, Som Tom Der is another mm-hmm. really, really great mm-hmm. Thai restaurant in the city I love. Um, I'm actually going to Masa tonight. Wow. With Joe Flam. Okay. And Stephanie Izzard. Nice. So that should be the Chicago crew. The, yeah, so they're gonna they're taking me out tonight. That should be fun. Wow. That I'm we're gonna be rolling out of there. Yeah. God, that's great. Yeah. Can you eat to your heart's content right now? Uh-huh. That's not that's not a yeah. that's not a factor. Not right now. Okay. Thankfully, that's great. Only very good quality. Putting that out there, good quality. When okay. I eat out, I have, I just have to be mindful. Like the way I eat at home is all like, you know. I have to be careful about what I'm putting in my system. Obviously, when right. I when I go to these really fantastic restaurants, sure, they have the hygiene standards that I need. Right. I'm, I'm not worried. My theme song and break music is from After School Specials album Double Barrel Single Entendre which is available on iTunes. This episode is brought to you by Heritage Foods. Heritage Foods was founded to sell ancient breeds of livestock and poultry that were becoming extinct, largely because industrial agriculture willfully pushed healthy heritage breeds aside for more profitable, faster-growing animals. Rare heritage breeds are saved when popular demand increases and farmers have the incentive to raise them. This Thanksgiving, we encourage you to buy a turkey from Frank Reese's Good Shepherd Poultry Ranch. Frank's turkeys are 100% purebred heritage, 100% pasture-raised, and 100% antibiotic-free. Turkeys are available in two-pound increments. You choose your size. Don't wait. Pre-order your Heritage Thanksgiving turkey today at heritagefoods.com. Welcome back to the show. We're going to return you to the rest of my interview with Chef Fatih Ali in just a moment. This is usually the part of the show where I do all these plugs for my social media, my book events, and things like that. I'm not going to do that today. Rather, I'm going to point all of you to a GoFundMe page. As we talk about in this interview, one of Fatih's friends from her, what she calls her Top Chef family, created a GoFundMe page to raise money to help send her to the restaurants that she's always wanted to eat at around the world. They've not reached their goal yet, as I look at this the day I'm recording this intro. So rather than plug the things I usually plug, I'm going to let you know that if you would like to contribute to Fatih's GoFundMe campaign, I want to emphasize she did not set this up herself. One of her friends did this for her. The web address is GoFundMe.com slash team dash Fatih. And Fatih is F-A-T-I. GoFundMe.com slash team dash Fatih. And with that, 
I'm going to return you to the rest of my interview with Chef Fatih Ali. I hope you enjoy the rest of it. I wanted to ask you, you know, you, I was really struck by this. You talked about wanting to connect with old friends Mm -hmm. and lovers, you said. I thought that was very (laughs) mature. But then you talked about making amends, Mm -hmm. which is a word that I love Mm -hmm. personally. Can you talk to me about that for a second? You actually wrote that you have a a napkin in your wallet Mm -hmm. with the names of people you need to make amends with. Yeah. I'm not asking for the details of that. I wasn't going to give them to you. Yeah, but what's that about (laughs) for you? I think it's just about, you know, I think it's about there there are always people in your life that you wish you had treated a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to just say that I'm sorry and not really expect anything in return Mm -hmm. and just acknowledge whatever I may have done Mm -hmm. wrong in in that scenario, in that situation. And... And whether they accept it, forgive me, move past it, don't move past it, that's their prerogative. Right. Um, you know, but I, I've, take, I've pushed past this crippling anxiety that I have about it, you know, about that fear of rejection. The fear that you're going to reopen something. Yes. And then, put yourself in the position of vulnerability. Right. And either be reprimanded yeah. or just rejected. Or just rejected, right. Because right. right now it's I've static, the there's side. distance, mm-hmm. right, yeah. So I've put that to the side and I've made up my mind that I'm going to do it. And it's important for you to do that in some sort of either face-to-face or voice-to-voice. Yes. This isn't an email. No. I mean, this is, yeah. the initial, some of them, because they, they are long distance, do have to be via... Um, Skype or something? Via WhatsApp or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the next step is... The meeting face to face, yes. Is that something that was important to you before you found yourself in the situation you're in now? Was well, that on your mind? I think it's always very important to treat people well. Yeah. You know? I think my mom has always instilled in my brother and I, um, you know, these these qualities that are that are very important. Um, you know, you have to have self respect, mm-hmm. and you have to respect others. Yeah. And um, you know. When you're young, sometimes you forget you forget to, to do those things. Yeah. So now that I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser, yeah, I I would like to retract mm-hmm. and do better. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's about. You talked uh, in these essays about how you reckon time, mm-hmm. obviously, how you think about time, how you used to think about time, and how you think about time now. Yes. You know, when I messaged you, my first message said, you know, I'd also love to hear whatever wisdom you feel like you might again you probably too modest to use that word yourself but if you were talking to you know a younger person or a younger cook probably more specifically that's mostly who listens to this what would you say to people you know with the kind of perspective you have now don't wait just don't wait for for anything to happen make things happen you have to make things happen for yourself Mm -hmm. and don't think you have the luxury of time also you know don't think oh I'm not going to apply for that job now. Maybe in a couple more, in a couple of months, or maybe like next year, I'll, I'll take that trip. Yeah, it's like do it now. Don't wait. Great. Yeah. Are you um, it, not a specific number, but if you had to guess how many M and M's were in the jar, like how many people <laughs> have you heard from? Oh my God, have I heard strangers, from strangers? T- texts, messages, comments. Since since this started last yeah. year. Oh, I meant I meant even more recently. Oh, like maybe the since the essay. Yeah. Mm, a few thousand. Has it been overwhelming? 
Yeah. In a good way? In a good way. What yeah. does that give? Does that give you something? I mean, beyond it, like it that's energi- nice. It energizes It me. does. It does. You can feel that. Yeah, 100%. I yeah. feel it. It energizes me in a way that, you know, me take, having so many drugs in my system and me going through all this treatment, I should, I should be flat on my back, mm-hmm. like resting all the time. Mm-hmm. But it energizes me. It gives my body physical energy. It, it helps me get through my day knowing that I have all these little connections with so many people. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Do you ever write back to strangers? I do, all the time. You do? Yeah. Do you have new pen pals? Yeah. You do? I do. That's amazing. <laughs> I, t- that's amazing. I really try and take the time to reply to everyone who sends me a message. Really? Yeah. Well, that's magnanimous of you right now. I have, listen, I've got time on my hands. Yes. You've got to use it right. You have to use it well. Yes, I know, but I just, well, whatever. That's your business. <laughs> I have to ask this last question. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you wrote, this is a very indelicate question, but you seem like you're okay for anything. Okay. You, in your essay that came out recently, mm-hmm. you know, you said you were told you had a year yeah. regardless. Mm-hmm. You're not acting like someone who has a year regardless. You're, you're, you, you, you've done the chemo. Mm-hmm. You're doing the radiation. Mm-hmm. You're looking at experimental treatments. Yes. I've seen pals love like your buddy Joe Flam mm-hmm. saying this ain't over till it's over. That's right. It seems to me like you are very engaged in whatever you want to call it. You said you don't like the word fight, but it seems to me like you're very engaged in doing everything you can, that, that you're not just taking that line down. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Sure, like, I feel like when it comes to medicine... There's so much unknown mm-hmm. and their developments literally every second. Mm-hmm. And so a year to a doctor, to me, that, that, that doesn't mean much. Yeah. You know, that's not the end all be all. Yep. They're not God. And, you know, and nobody knows when your time is up. Yep. Until it's up. Yeah. And so I am, I am a big believer in that. Yeah. And I, and I have a lot of faith in God, so. You're a religious person. I have a lot of faith, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do, especially during this time. It's mm-hmm. been, um, it's been a, a big source of comfort. It has. Yeah. Just, you know, just n- believing that, that there's something bigger than you mm-hmm. that's steering everything. Mm-hmm. And then it, that it's not necessarily the end mm-hmm. of something. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I know it's not the end. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say mm, to people? I'm good. I just, yeah. I'm just, I'm very grateful for everything that is, that has happened, that is happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just want everyone out there to know that um, no matter what you're going through, there's always somebody willing to lend a ear. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody willing to, to listen to you and connect with you. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. I've had friends who've gotten very sick who say, you, you have no idea there's all these people out there mm-hmm. that will show up. Yeah. <laughs> the cancer community is another very tight-knit community. And they give you great advice mm-hmm. and good resources. Yeah. And we should use each other. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. We, like, so many people want to, you know, they want you to use them as a resource. Yeah. They're, they're dying to help. So why not? Yeah. And I think that's what makes it really special. You know, the word 
honor gets thrown around a lot. You know, mm-hmm. it was an honor to meet you. Or oh. you know, I get it myself from young people who have books and stuff that I wrote. I think it gets, I think it's lost its value a little bit. But it's really an honor to sit no. with you today. Thank I, you so I'm much. just so admiring of how you're going through this, Thank you. uh, of your attitude. I was amazed you said, "Yeah, come on over." No, I'm happy to chat. Uh, but uh, I just wanted, I really wanted to meet you, and I think people, uh, you know, who listen to the show enjoy hearing from you. I really hope so. So thanks for doing it. You're very, very welcome. This has been great. Okay. We'll stay in touch. I'll be a new one of your new pen pals. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. And that's our show for today. I don't have the words to convey my thanks to Fatih for spending that time with me. It was very meaningful to me on a number of levels. I learned a lot. I hope you all learned a lot. Let's all take Fatih's advice and not waste our time and get out there and go after it. All right? And I'm going to leave it at that this week. Thanks to all the people I usually thank. And again, my special thanks this week to Chef Fatih Ali for spending that time with me. I really appreciated it. And we'll see you back soon on Andrew Talks to Chefs. Oh,